0: Third day. Introduction of the Decameron. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Decameron by Giovanni Boccaccio. Third day. Introduction. End us here, the second day of the Decameron. Begin is the third in which under the rule of Neuphile discourse is had of the fortune of such, as have painfully acquired some much-coveted thing, or having lost, have recovered it. The dawn of Sunday was already changing from vermilion to Orange, as the sun hasted to the horizon, when the queen rose and roused all the company. The Seneschal had early sent forward to their next place of sojourn ample store of things meet with folk, to make all things ready. And now, seeing the queen on the road, and the decampment as it were begun, he hastily collected the equipment of the baggage-train, and set off therewith, attended by the rest of the servants, in rear of the ladies and gentlemen. So to the chant of, perhaps, a score of nightingales and other birds, the queen, her ladies, and the three young men, trooping beside or after her, paced leisurely, westward, by a path little frequented and overgrown with herbage and flowers, which, as they caught the sunlight, began one and all to unfold their petals. So fared she on with their train, while the kirk and the jest and the laugh passed from mouth to mouth, nor had they completed more than two thousand paces, when, well before half-tears, they arrived at the palace most fair and sumptuous, which stood out somewhat from the plain, being situate upon a love eminence. On entering, they first traversed its great halls and dainty chambers, furnished throughout with all brave and meet appointments. And finding all most commendable, they reputed its lord a magnifico. Then descending, they surveyed its spacious and cheerful court, its vaults of excellent vines, and copious springs of most cool water, and found it still more commendable. After which, being fain of rest, they set them down in a gallery, which commended the court, and was close embossed with leafage and such flowers as the season afforded. And thither the discreet seneschal brought comfits and vines, most choice and excellent, wherewith they were refreshed. whereupon they heed them to a walled garden adjoining the palace which, the gate being open, they entered, and wonder-struck by the beauty of the hall, passed on to examine more attentively the several parts. It was bordered and traversed in many parts by alleys, each very wide and straight as an arrow, and roofed in with trellis of vines, which gave good promise of bearing clusters that year, and being all in flower, dispersed such fragrance throughout the garden, as blended with that exhaled by many another plant, that grew therein, made the garden seem redolent for all the spices that ever grew in the east. The sides of the alleys were all, as it were, walled in with roses, white and red and jasmine, insomuch that there was no part of the garden, but one might walk there not merrily in the morning, but at high noon in grateful shade and fragrance, completely screened from the sun, As for the plants that were in the garden, it were long to enumerate them, to specify their sorts, to describe the order of their arrangement, enough in brief that there was abundance of every rarer species that our climate allows. In the middle of the garden a thing no less but much more to be commended than aught else was a lawn of the finest turf, and so green that it seemed almost black, pranked with flowers of perhaps a thousand sorts, and girt about with the richest living verdure of orange trees and cedars, which shewed not only flowers but fruits, both new and old, and were no less grateful to the smell by their fragrance than to the eye by their shade. In the middle of the lawn was a basin of whitest marble, graven with marvellous art. In the centre whereof, whether the spring were natural or artificial, I know not, rose a column supporting a figure which sent forth a jet of water of such volume and to such an altitude that it fell not without a delicious splash into the basin in quantity amply sufficient to turn a mill-wheel the overflow was carried away from the lawn by a hidden conduit and then re-emerging was distributed through tiny channels very fair and cunningly contrived in such sort as to flow round the entire lawn, and by similar derivative channels to penetrate almost every part of the fair garden, until, reuniting at a certain point, it issued thence, and clear as crystal, slid down towards the plain, turning by the way two mill-wheels, with extreme velocity, to the no small profit of the Lord. The aspect of this garden, its fair order, the plants and the fountain of the rivulets that followed from it, so charmed the ladies and the three young men, that with one accord they affirmed, that they knew not how it could receive any accession of beauty, or what other form could be given to paradise, if it were to be planted on earth. So excellently well pleased, they rode about it, plucking sprays from the trees and weaving them into the fairest of garlands, while songsters of, perhaps a score of different sorts, warbled as if in mutual emulation when suddenly a sight as fair and delightsome as Novel, which, engrossed by the other beauties of the place, they had hitherto overlooked met their eyes. For the garden, they now saw, was peopled with a host of living creatures, fair and, of perhaps a hundred sorts, and they pointed out to one another how here emerged a cony, or there scampered a hare, or couched a goat, or grazed a fawn or many another harmless, all but domesticated, creature rode carelessly, seeking his pleasure at his own sweet will, all which served immensely to reinforce their already abundant delight. At length, however, they had enough of wandering about the garden and observing this thing and that. Wherefore, they repaired to the beautiful fountain, around which were arranged the tables, and there after they had sung half a dozen songs and trod some measures, they set them down, at the queen's command, to breakfast, which was served with all celerity and in fair and orderly manner, the viands being both good and delicate, whereby their spirits rose, and up they got, and betook themselves again to music and song and dance, and so sped the hours, until, as the heat increased, the queen deemed it time that whoso was so minded, should go to sleep. Some there were that did so, others were too charmed by the beauty of the place to think of leaving it, but tarried there, and while the rest slept, amused themselves with reading romances of playing at chess or dice. However, after noon, there was a general levy, and, with faces laved and refreshed with cold water, they gathered by the queen's command upon the lawn, and having set them down in their wonted order by the fountain, waited for the story telling to begin upon the theme assigned by the queen. With this duty, the queen first charred Filostrato, who began on this wise. End of introduction of the third day.